Welcome. Before we get started this week, I wanted to introduce you to our newest sponsor, Peterson Toyota and Volvo. They do everything cars made easy. That's their motto. And for more than 52 years in Fort Collins, they've mastered knowing what people want from a car dealership and built their business around it. Peterson is Northern Colorado's largest automotive dealership and cares for each and every customer for the lifetime of their vehicle needs. You can expect high quality vehicles at the right price. I'm so excited about these guys coming aboard. Mike Kroos, the GM over there, was excited when I reached out to him. As you know, Peterson Toyota has been a longtime supporter of CSU Athletics, so this is a perfect fit. They're a family-owned business that serves the communities of Fort Collins, Greeley, Windsor, Loveland, Longmont, and all the surrounding communities, and I couldn't be more proud to have them as a RamNation.com partner. Whether you are in the market for a new or used vehicle, please make Peterson Toyota your first choice. Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. We are just hours away from the season opener at Fresno State. We're going to talk about that. I am Joel Canalamessa, joined by Mike Rowe, as always. Thanks for everybody for joining us. We're excited that football is finally here. Mike, it was very frustrating to see. We were supposed to play last week, obviously, and uh, Saturday night against New Mexico, and we're told midweek that the Lobos were going to be unable to travel to Fort Collins, and What's crazy about that is literally, what, two, three days later, they were somehow granted the ability to travel this week to go to San Jose State for their game. So I, I don't know what changed. I don't know how things can change so drastically. I read articles that the Mountain West worked hard with the conference uh, or worked hard with the school and the state government and to see if what they could do to make it happen. I, I sure wish they would have worked a little bit harder last week to make sure that our game wasn't canceled, but... That was really frustrating. You, I, I listened to the press conference yesterday with Coach Adazio. He obviously was irked by it. Uh, he refrained from saying too much, but you know, he said, "Yeah, it's it's. I don't understand it. It's frustrating." Yeah, Mike, I don't I don't know, but uh, I don't know if you were as frustrated as me. Just it was one thing to accept the fact that they've got government restrictions going on there, but then what? Two days later, they changed their mind, and all of a sudden, they get to play this week, and we missed out last week. You know, I think what's what's really frustrating is that we've had months and months to yes. start to to figure this out. Uh, it yes. wasn't like we just decided on the schedule last week. You know, it, I mean, the schedule was set, been set for a month now. I mean, we broke it down, yeah, a month ago uh, with a podcast, and so it wasn't like New Mexico didn't have an opportunity to, to figure out what they needed to do or what the mountain West figured uh, could figure out what they needed to do, you know? And then this was, you know, uh, New Mexico, their governor said up front that they didn't want New Mexico state and New Mexico playing. So why, why not bring them into the conference this fall? Right. Let them, let them out. And then that way we're not scrambling. Um, uh, missing a game and you know this is an opportunity uh, a great a great opportunity for coach Adazio's first game to come in and and see what he has see what CSU has and and build on a, probably most likely a win going into our first road game and now Fresno has a chance I mean granted they're coming on in on a short week but you know they have they have the chance to to improve on what they had last week 
coming in to, to face us. And, it, you know, it just kind of seems that this situation could have been handled much differently much, and, and a lot better than what uh, Thompson did. And then the fact that completely, you know, complete 180 from last week where they're saying, okay, well, we'll go on the road now to San Jose State. We won't, we won't play in New Mexico. I'm like, you know, what's changed? What, what has been the difference from last week to this week? And, and it, it's frustrating. It's, I, I think CSU deserved better. I think New Mexico deserved better. And I think the Mountain West deserved better. Well, I mean, you said it right, because everyone understands that this is unprecedented. And there's a lot of challenges. Everyone's trying to figure this out on the fly. We understand that there could potentially be cancellations that happen or, or you know, if, if there's a school that has too many cases, there's too many players at a certain position that they just can't play. We, we understand that's a possibility, but this schedule has been in place for what, over a month? Yeah. We've been waiting for this. And then to find out just a few days before the game, oh, our government's not going to let us play. We haven't been able to practice. I mean, it just was so crazy. And then just to change their mind two days later, three days later, whatever it was, just, it was just, that's lack of foresight. That's lack of effort. That's stupidity. So anyway, uh, with the absence of CSU playing last week, which was a bummer, Mike, I think you and I were both looking forward to, to catching some live football up there from the press box and, and seeing what this team looked like. But uh, I did, I did catch most of the games. I didn't see a lot of the, the uh, Hawaii Fresno game, except for just some highlights. But the one that was pretty surprising to me was San Jose state pretty much controlling the entire game against air force. And we saw what air force did to Navy, you know, I think what we saw there was Air Force being really dialed in to play their rival. I think that they also were really dialed in to practice for several weeks leading up to just prepare for for that one rival. Uh, Navy did not have that same luxury. Um, not that that's an excuse, but that you know they they were geared up for that game. They played flawless. Navy's just not as good this year, uh, but you still would have expected Air Force to go to San Jose State and play better than they did, man. I, I, I was watching them and they just looked pedestrian running the ball. I think they're, I think they're fairly thin. They don't have a lot of depth. Um, they just did not run the ball like you normally see them run and, and just dominate the line of scrimmage. I think their longest run I read was uh, 19 yards on the day. They didn't break any, you know, big gainers. Uh, San Jose state had them bottled up. And, and so uh, the Spartans defense was pretty, pretty impressive to me. And then they've got this senior quarterback transfer named Nick Starkle from Arkansas who played uh, for the Razorbacks a little bit last year. He, uh, he was 22 of 27, 226 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, that they look good. Yeah. Uh, I kind I, I of, I kind of bit of the uh, beginning of that game. You know, I actually wasn't too impressed with air force shocking um, when they played in the, uh, when they played Navy again, uh, I thought they looked sloppy, but I, I don't think Navy is a good team. So it looked it looked a lot different. So they were able to put it to them. I think having the extra game film uh, for San Jose State helped. And again, I mean, they, they have some players gone. Air Force has some players gone. And I think that's hurting them. You have players that opted out from this season. I think they have a couple, a uh, few suspensions from activity outside of the uh, program. You know, San Jose State really did just put it to them. You know, they, they, they were physical which is something that 
you know, we, we typically don't see with a San Jose State team. And we don't see uh, with teams playing Air Force. It's always kind of the other way around. Air Force is gra- uh, grinded out and, and, and they're tough. And even though they're undersized, you know, they're, they're hitting. And, and it was just kind of the opposite. You know, San Jose State really kind of took it to them. Um, again, I, I watched the first part of the game uh, before I started, you know, switched over and was watching some other stuff. But yeah, it, it, it was shocking. It was shocking. Did you, to see did you what, happen what they to did. did you happen to catch a glimpse of their stadium? <laughs> Where, with with the the half that was they've was got like down. they've got like a just a big grass and dirt berm over there that uh, you know they they have had plans to. Obviously, they tore down the that side of the stadium, but they are planning on renovating that whole side and then building like a complex, a sports complex on that side. And from what I understand is that they, one, had to tear out the seats due to, I don't know if they were meeting code anymore. I mean, there's old and decrepit and I don't know if you've ever been there. I have not, but uh, that place looks very run down. But um, so that was part of it. So they had to take out the seats, even though they weren't ready to build the that side of the stadium yet i also think they've run into some fundraising issues as well that they have not got the money they need to 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 start and complete that project yet so that was just weird i was watching that i was like this looks like the stutler bowl actually worse than the stutler bowl there's right. no, no stands on that side so it, it looked like those pictures i sent from uh the walsh six-man football <laughs> game the when goat they pasture played, when they played kim branson kim <laughs> slash branson in a yeah, in a prairie dog pasture crazy yeah it definitely was crazy and i understand why the mountain west invited him it was the death blow to the whack but they bring nothing to our conference well you look at the you look at their market san jose i mean that's that's a uh that's a sizable market that they own zero percent of right exactly they're, they're not bringing any eyeballs so i i just from a competition standpoint i i like to see that they're competing and getting better i mean you just yes. don't, you don't want that that kind of a team in your in your league where every year you're just smashing them and they just bring nothing to the table and they're bringing down your in hoops they're bringing down your your uh your rating and so anyway uh the the other game uh total dog of a game but was Interesting to see UNLV looked like the same old UNLV, just just bad. Um, they did have a little run in the third quarter where it looked like they were trying to battle and compete a little bit when the game was still in question. But then San Diego, San Diego State just squashed that and they rolled to a 34 to six win. I, I was kind of, you know, from a conference and like being a supporter of this conference, happy to see that they're not falling off uh, under Brady Hoke. You know, he had a great run there for a couple of years before he left and there was question whether, you know, he'd be able to come in and, and, and take over when Rocky long left and went to New Mexico. Uh, look, but it looks to me like they're going to be solid as usual. They were good on offense. Uh, they were good on defense. They outrushed the rebels, uh, 287, to 80 yards. So UNLV, I don't know what the deal was, what they're, they just did not look good. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm hoping that they can get something going. They got a nice new stadium. They could be a, a program in this conference that could, could do some things, but they, they just, they look bad as usual. You know, uh, same thing. I, I watched the first half of that game. You know, honestly, I wasn't that impressed with San Diego state either. I thought that they were just that much of a better team that, it, yeah, that they were going to, they were going to put up the yards. They're going to put up the score, but 
I really thought it should have been worse. UNLV's a bad team. Like I, there was nothing on either side of the ball that I saw that resembled Division One talent. You know, hiring a high school coach and having them make a bad program even worse. You know, leading into the 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 new hire this year, it's just they're just bad. They're really bad. And and I honestly, I thought San Diego State should have beat them by a lot more than than what they did. I don't think their quarterback is is that great. I think for a team, you know, like CSU, if we can if we can bottle up their running game, I mean, I think we can have another night like we did, you know, five years ago when we went to San Diego State and just put it to them. You know, again, last year, you know, that was a tight game. And, you know, we, we went for it on fourth fourth and goal going into halftime and, and didn't score. That was a 14-7 game and ended up tight. You know, this is a game that we could win, um, I feel. You know, we, we uh, like I said, we, we follow them up running, and, and I don't think they have the quarterback play that could beat us if we could stop their run. Did you see uh... – you see anything that you were impressed by, by, by Boise? I, I just think Utah State's going to go back to where they used to be, just kind of average to below average. You know, Matt Wells had that, that program. I, Gary Anderson also had the program. He's kind of the one that sparked it, but something's changed in that guy. I mean, he's quit two different jobs since, yeah. since he left. And uh, now that he's back, I just, I just don't see that, that program. They don't look good to me. Um, and Boise, Boise dominated them, uh, it, you know, despite trailing the entire game, Utah State only threw for 92 yards. I don't think, I think they had 200 yards of total offense. Uh, Hank Bachmeyer, Bachmeyer looked like he has all last year, um, 268 yards, three touchdowns. They had a hundred yard rusher, George Halani, uh, Khalil Shakir had 123 yards. I mean, they, they, they've got their weapons. They look good, you know, on the blue turf. They look, they look like Boise usually does, but it's hard to tell if this is the Boise that we usually see each year or if it's just that Utah State's just not that good. I watched I watched a couple series in that game. Boise State's good. I think they're they're the top of the league. But I, don't know. I hate saying it. I hate that it, it seems like that every year they're the top of the league. But they are. Um, Utah State's down, but it didn't matter. I think Boise State was going to put up numbers on them. Um, it did encourage me how bad Utah State did look. I think that that's another game, you know, uh, uh, one that we lost, you know, in the rain last year, had the lead in the third quarter and turnover. I think it was a pick six, wasn't it? That turned the game and, and, and we, you know, we end up losing, losing another tight game. I don't think that they're as talented as they were last year. And again, we shore up you know, turnovers, we shore up mistakes. That's another, that's another game that we can win, that we should win this year. I want to take a quick second to talk about Ginger and Baker, one of my favorite sponsors ever. The cafe is open right now with great comfort food and the cash restaurant, which is my favorite, is open and still serving on the rooftop, especially now that it's warming up here later this week. I know we had a freeze out there earlier in the, in the this past weekend and earlier this week, but uh, they've got heaters and a huge fireplace up there to keep you warm with great views of the River District. Just awesome food, awesome drinks, awesome people. I love it there. What a great place. And if you're stressing about Thanksgiving dinner, Ginger and Baker is the easiest route to a stress-free, delicious Thanksgiving dinner. All you got to do is call, place your order, 
have your Thanksgiving dinner taken care of. And as we enter in the holiday season, Ginger and Baker offers gift baskets uh, for both your family and friends, as well as business gifts. Keep them in mind. I want to talk about these last couple of games here, but I, I do want to go through and kind of see what, was there anything that showed you that CSU cannot compete for a top two spot in this league? You know, I, Not I, at all. Not I, at all. I agree. Um, you know, again, I, I think that just cleaning up stuff. And, and again, that's what Coach Adazio is known for, you know, and we'll see, we'll see, that, you know, tomorrow night. But we, we clean up just a, a few things. I mean, I could, I guess we only have seven games now. I could see us winning five or six games this season. Still don't think that we have the, uh, the uh, talent or the quarterback play to beat Boise. We'd have to play flawlessly, and it's there, uh, which we've never really played well. In, in Boise. So I don't know if we can take that game, but from everyone else, like, I don't, I don't see why we can't. Who, I mean, who do you think the, the contenders are in this league? I mean, you've got Boise is, is obviously up there at the top. Uh, San Diego state. The nice thing is, is that we actually play them. So we yep. can control our destiny as opposed to if we did not play them, you know, and they're, you know, they do whatever they do and they finish six and one, seven and one, and uh, we didn't have a chance to play them, you know, and then and we lose to Boise, then we might lose out on a tiebreaker. But if we're going head to head against those guys and have the same winning percentage or better, you know, we have a chance to win that tiebreaker. So uh, Air Force, obviously, I feel much better about the, our chances of, of competing with them. Yep. You know, Hawaii, I think, is going to challenge this year for one of those top two spots. Wyoming, they lost their quarterback. Sean Chambers got hurt in the what the first series of, the, of that game. Bummer for them, but I think that's going to hurt them over the course of the season. I, I mean, I really think that, you know, just looking at it and we, without even seeing us play yet, there's a lot to, we, we might come out and just stink up, stink up the joint tomorrow and just look terrible. And this changes all my opinion, but you know, I, like you said, I think, I think this, this is a program that has some pieces in place. If we can just clean up some things, get tougher, eliminate penalties and mistakes that we've been seeing turnovers, just ridiculous amounts of turnovers and penalties the last five years. You know, if you clean a couple of those things up, I think we instantly are, you know, able to compete for a top four, five in the league. And if you just beat a couple of those teams that are kind of could go either way, you know, if you're able to go beat Boise, yeah, that's, there's, there's the big one. But, you know, if you could position yourself, even at a six and one run the rest of the table there, I think that there, there's no one else in this league that really scares me. So yeah. Yeah, you know, um, going to Wyoming, you know, we're looking at that. Obviously, we have Fresno State tomorrow night. But next week, in one week, we have Wyoming. They play Friday night. We play Thursday night. So we'll have one day on them. Um, travel's not really a big deal since it's just 90 miles away. Um, but that, that extra day does count. You know, that is, that is big, especially when we're in these crazy times that you don't know, you know. Somebody might test positive on either side and or you got the contact tracing and, and they might have to, to isolate. So that extra day could be huge when we face Wyoming. I've watched the end of that game and, you know, I really wasn't impressed with what Wyoming had. I didn't think see Nevada as a strong team coming into this season and they win. You know, they beat Wyoming. What was surprising about that was, you know, Wyoming has been pretty stout defensively. 
And granted, I think they they gave up uh, 76 yards on the ground, but Carson Strong, Nevada's quarterback, completed 39 of 52 passes for 420 yards, four touchdowns. You know, Wyo's defense looks fallible this year. And, you know, I, I give them credit because they were down, you know, after Sean Chambers won out, they fell down 28 to six and they battled back. They tied it up 28 all in the fourth. Nevada took a lead late and then Wyo drove down in the final seconds and tied it to send it to overtime. Wyo actually took the lead in overtime with a field goal until Nevada won it on a touchdown. But uh, so I, I give them a lot of credit for not folding. And, and, you know, Craig Bowl, I think is one of the top coaches in our league. You know, you hate to say it, but he, he yeah. is, and you know, he, he does a great job with that, that program, but I, I think that that team is ripe for picking off next week for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel I feel better about it after having watched Wyoming's performance at Nevada. That being said, you know, I think this is a perfect example when we look wrap up this uh, Mountain West tour here with uh, watching the Hawaii and Fresno game, seeing what transpired in that game. You know, I, I think Fresno. For one, I think Hawaii was left in a good position. Nick Rolovich had the covered. It's not it's not bare. When he left, the program was in good shape. Todd Graham, I think, has had success everywhere he's gone as a coach. Um, they had a good performance in Fresno, but Fresno, they had, let's see, they turned they turned the ball over four times. They had seven penalties. They couldn't get off the field on on uh, third down. They gave up eleven of sixteen to Hawaii on third down. When they were in the red zone, they settled for a couple chip shot field goals and they turned the ball over a third time and they gave up 323 yards rushing to Hawaii, you know, so a lot Hawaii's of not known for their, no, you know, no powerhouse so, rushing team. No, but what you look at when I look at this, I'm like, yeah, so that, that was ugly, but that's kind of what you're expecting in the first game during this COVID era. Right. I mean, everyone's yeah. rusty a lot of sloppiness a lot of crap so you would imagine that team is going to take a pretty big leap in cleaning that up between weeks one and two and so I think you know there is a little bit of advantage there uh with Fresno State having had that game under the belt they'll shake off some of that rust clean some things up I think that's a pretty sizable advantage yes we have an advantage that uh we have tape on Fresno uh, we've seen a team beat Fresno that, you know, that gives us a little bit of a leg up um, and they don't have tape on us yet. So uh, we, we've got a new coach. Exactly. They don't know what we're going to do. So that there's an advantage for us, but I think overall, you know, in this kind of year where practice has been shaky, you haven't had a whole lot of physicality in practice, tackling in camp, that kind of stuff, having that first game under your belt to shake off that rust, I think is a bigger advantage. So um We'll have to see what, what happens here. But, uh, you know, it, it is, it's true. But again, I mean, going back to Air Force San Jose State, San Jose State had the game film on them. They had rest. And they were able to, uh, to really see what, what Air Force is doing, where Air Force came into the game not knowing anything about what San Jose State had. So I think we have that. I think we have an element of surprise. I like that we're playing them on a short week. For them, I mean, they play a Saturday night game, and now it's going to be Thursday, so they're on three days of practice. You have a offensive style that Adazio had at Boston College. You have completely different offense that Lynch had at Ball State, and, and how are you going to plan for those? So I think I still like the chances. I, I, I like that that they're not going to know what we have. They didn't show 
a ton with the new quarterback. Uh, who was it? Uh, Jake. Jake Hanner. Yeah. Hanner from from Washington. Again, it's one of those. You know, why does a kid transfer from a big school to go to some somewhere like San Jose State? Fresno. Yeah, them too. Fresno State. <laughs> <laughs> he he threw you know, th- he threw three picks as well. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I like our chances. Didn't watch much of that other than highlights and, and just kind of reading about it. But just again, seeing what Hawaii did to him rushing. Yeah. I mean, they just picked him apart. And I know they, they, they run a little bit of spread. They open it up. Coach White, I mean, that's his thing is, is rushing. So I like our chances. I mean, if we can get we can get 200 yards from, from the backfield, then I think our quarterback play, I mean, I, I, and, and we destroyed him last year through the air. You know, POB picked him apart. Now, Three granted, games. we don't have Warren Jackson. But, uh, yeah, he picked him apart last year. So, whoever's our quarterback, I mean, I could see us, if we have that running game, I could see us going deep a lot. Well, we've beaten him three times in a row. That, that's, that's positive. Let's hopefully make it a fourth. What do you know about Kalen DeBoer, the, the new coach there? He, uh, you know, he took over for Jeff Tedford, who suddenly resigned yep. in, in December last year. Everyone around that program loved the hire. He was Tedford's offensive coordinator. He's a, apparently a great coach, he resonates well with the players. But uh, I was kind of looking at his background, and his only other head coaching experience was at Sioux Falls, South Dakota, an NAIA school. He was there from 2005 to 2009. He collected a record of 67-3. and three. He made it to one Final Four and four championship games in the NAIA, and uh, he won three of those. So uh, that's pretty impressive in, in uh, five seasons made a final four, four times and, uh, or five times. And he went to a championship game four times, three, three time champ. So that's pretty, I don't care what level you're at. That's pretty impressive. So you've got two first time, not first time head coaches, but two new coaches at their respective schools. Steve Adazio has been really interesting watching his press conferences over the past week. And in particular, this discussion around the quarterback, Mike, I mean, he's, He's playing it very coy with not naming a starter. Everyone has assumed it's, you know, it's, it's going to be incumbent Patrick O'Brien. He looked solid last year, did an admirable job. And then on Monday, he said, uh, Kelly Lyle had asked him, have you guys named, officially named the starter? Is it going to be Patrick O'Brien? He's like, well, actually, you know, we're, we're still finalizing our decision there. We expect to know our decision within 24 hours. And then on Tuesday's conference, press conference, he said, well, you know, really not sure. We're, we're hoping to finalize that here. You know, we, we said we we're going to finalize it in the week, you know, the couple of days before the game. And, and that's still where we're at. So, <laughs> so Tuesday came and went, they still, he says they still haven't make, made a decision, but Michael, they have, and it's not going to be Patrick O'Brien. I mean, it's pretty clear. I've heard it from a couple different sources. I think we may see both of them on the field at times during the game. But uh, I'm told Todd Centeno that the, the transfer from from Temple is going to be the starter. It's one of those when you have a returning starter and you don't say that he's going to be the starter, right? Um, you got to look into that. You, you you have to wonder like why why have they not named O'Brien the, the starter? And, and 
I think because he's not <laughs> because he's not going to be the starter. Well, he had some he had some interesting responses that made sense, some some answers to that. And he said, you know, especially in this this year where we have no idea if a guy's going to be put into contact tracing quarantine, you know, next week, we got to get equal reps for for both guys. Right. So we we don't want to single out one and say he's getting the majority of the reps and, and not give the other guy any because you just never know you know, what's going to happen from week to week. We need to prepare them both. But the fact that he has been this coy, it's, I, to me, it's clear. Uh, it's, it's, I've heard it on good authority that, that Toddy is going to be the, the starter. Uh, and I also think, and, and Adazio hinted at this, but Patrick O'Brien missed some time in camp, whether it was because he had COVID, I don't know, or whether it was due to, you know, contact tracing or he, you know, he had missed some time due to that. But, you know, when you're in a new system, you know, we only had half of our spring practices. Uh, you're in a new system. You need reps and you need time on the field and you need time in front of the coaches. And if he missed some of that, you know, you can see why they might give a shot to, to this new, this new, this new quarterback. And, and the other thing is, you know, we know that, that Warren Jackson for, forewent his senior season uh, to go to the NFL. I've also heard there's other injuries on the, in the offense, some key ones. And maybe they just look at this, like, look, we, rather than a true drop back quarterback, we need a guy that can use his legs a little bit is a little more of a dual threat, a multifaceted playmaker in, in our backfield. So, you know, you wonder what factors go into this decision, but that to me makes sense. You know, again, you, you look at kind of look at the two offenses of the, uh, of coach Lynch and coach Adazio. I think, I think you need a, um, kind of a mobile quarterback. I'm not saying that POB isn't, that he couldn't do that. But I think there's a reason why they went after Centeno pretty hard in the offseason. I, I think that he brings a completely different element to the game than what POB does. I mean, you're looking at a, a Fresno team that has no tape on CSU. I mean, they can look at last year, and, and again, you, you have what – what Pat did against them and, and kind of picked them apart. But if he's not the quarterback, they have nothing, you know, they have nothing. And, and, you know, his stats at, at, at Temple, he didn't play much, but you know, he looked good. His stats look good, you know, passing uh, five touchdowns, only one pick during that time, 67% completion percentage. If he puts up those numbers, then yeah, I mean, it's, it's another one of those things. And, we could pick them apart, especially if, if he's a, has that dual threat where they don't know if it's a run-pass option. And he could take it for a few yards. He could hand it off for a few yards. Or he could hit Craig or, or Dante Wright on, you know, on a short – on a slant or something like that that they could take to the house, you know, because we have that outside speed. Or he could hit uh, Trey, you know, on a seam route. And he's shown that he could take it to the house whenever he gets it. So, you know, I like it. I like, I like the uh, changeup. I'm sure we will see POB at a times. And, and, you know, I think that we'll see, uh, oh man, number two, I can't think of his name. Justice. Uh, Justice McCoy. Yeah. Yes. So, I th you know, I think we could see him out there as well. I mean, it's, you know, uh, Coach Adazio says it, said it well. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you're going to not have a quarterback or not, you know, you have Wisconsin who starting who their backup starting quarterback is that tested positive. And then the third string 
quarterback tested positive this week. You know, this is all after their starting quarterback, their two-year starter, uh, went down in, in fall camp with an injury. So you don't know. I, you know, I like it. I, you know, I think we got to trust what the, the new coaches are bringing when they come in. And you look at McElwain went with Grayson whenever everyone thought, you know, it was probably going to be Connor Smith or, 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 you know, somebody else. Bobo went with with Stevens when everyone thought, you know, Coleman Key was the one that, had, you know, he had the big arm, he had the size. Mm-hmm. You know, even looking back to to Fairchild, he, he you know he came in with with Colin Ferris, well not Colin Ferris, but he came in with with Ferris, Billy, Billy Ferris, Billy Ferris. You know, as our quarterback, when everyone thought that he you know he'd be going a different route, you know, not a walk on, and you know they all found success. So it kind of makes sense. And and again, we'll see. I'm, I'm sure we'll see all three quarterbacks. So I you know I I, I wish I knew more about the the history of of Todd, you, you threw out some of his numbers there. He, he couldn't beat out Anthony Russo was the starter last year. He's just incumbent starter this year at Temple. But, you know, the fact that, that Todd, he was in, you know, he, he completed 48 of 71 passes, 613 yards. You know, they had him in there probably what in, in some, some wildcat formations. Did he get some time as a, you know, did, did the starter get hurt at some point in, in, and Toddy had some reps, you know, or had some a couple games in there he played. I, I just don't know. I, I, but I think that we know that the guy can move, right? I mean, he's he's a guy that can use his feet, get out of the pocket, and scramble for first downs. You know, if, if, if something's not open down the field, he can make something happen with his feet. I'm kind of excited by that. We what, when's the last time we had that kind of a quarterback? BVP. Yeah, I was gonna say Bradley. Right. You know, and, and before that, Anthony Hill. Yeah, I mean, we just have not really had a lot of those types of quarterbacks that uh, can bring that aspect to the table. So I'm actually I'm actually excited by that. I think I think it's also uh, when you look at this move, if it comes to fruition that, you know, this is a pretty good example of Coach Adazio kind of putting his immediate stamp on the program. Right. He's he brought in his guy. He wants you know, he wants to to get his guy in there. Toddy's got two two years of eligibility. So you're not giving the guy that's going to be gone next year the, the keys of the kingdom. you got a guy that might be your guy for, for two years. Um, he's also kind of doing that with the three offensive linemen that he's brought over. you got Elijah Johnson, the left guard, Cam Reddy, the center, and, and Adam Koretz, the uh, right guard, all three from Boston College, where, where Adazio came from, Coach White came from. So you've got uh, – you, those guys are all projected to be starters tomorrow. So – immediately getting his guys in there, guys that he trusts, guy that guys that know their system, their scheme, their plays. So it's, it's interesting to see the stamp, you know, sometimes you, you tread lightly because, you know, this is my question to you, your new coach and you've got guys on the team that uh, have some allegiances to players, seniors, former leaders, you could really kind of fracture that, uh, team bonding that team camaraderie and the the cohesiveness if you cut out a key component of a guy that players like you know and and I would imagine that POB is not too thrilled (laughs) by this decision you know and is there some guys that are in his corner you know could this shake things up I mean my personal opinion is you were four and eight last year right you were three and nine the year before that or whatever and we need a shakeup. 
So uh, who cares about your feelings? But I think there is a, a need to tread lightly in some areas and, and maybe not necessarily force your guys across the board on the program. But I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. You know, I, I agree. You know, sometimes when you're a new coach and you're coming in, you don't want to you don't want to make waves. I think it's easier when you're coming in uh, to a program that is not having success. So when Steve came in for Sonny, fortunately, it was after a few years of very few wins. So for him to put a stamp on the program, he was able to do it. You know, we uh, made that bowl run, got that bowl win is a great uh, fun season in 2008. Uh, then again, the next three years, lots of losses. Uh, McElwain came in again. I mean, we got rid of our highest, probably our, our third highest rated quarterback ever as far as recruiting with Pete Thomas after Steve Cullip and, and uh, uh, the Unibrow. Justin. I can't think. Uh, Justin, Justin Holland. Holland. Yeah, Justin Holland. And he wasn't afraid to get him out of the program. You know, you had Micah Rockbo and, and uh, what was it? Was it Norley Cappy? Yeah. Booted them from the program. I mean, he came in and, and was like, okay, this is my way. And, and he turned the program around. And then it was almost like when Bobo came in, he did make those changes to, to a winning team. And, and you saw the, you saw the trajectory on that. You, you know, you look at, at, a you know, coach Eustace, when he came in, in 2012, he had, a, he had a winning product. Uh, product right there and after a few games he went back to the offense that that coach miles was running because he knew that they could win you know it was almost like okay you play my defense we'll go back to that offense and, and we saw what happened with that program uh for the next few years so i you know i think adazio's coming in and and, and we're we were mediocre at best the first three years and horrible the last two years under mike bobo so for him to come in and make those changes, it's yeah, I don't think it's as big of a deal as yeah. as if he was coming in in 2014 when we we're coming off a 10 win season. So what do you think, Mike? I mean, I, I think the offensive line is a an area of intrigue. I hesitate to call it an area of concern, but I mean we're we've turned over <laughs> several key players. T.J. Stormont left, obviously, for business uh, decisions. Business decision. You had uh, Nuradin. The second string, the second string tackle at TCU. Who hasn't seen the and field? And there he is. He's not seeing the field. I mean, he could have been our. He could have been a star lineman for us this year. Uh, you yep. had Nuradin Nuili, who had seven starts last year as a true freshman, and then he leaves for Nebraska. We lose him. So a couple key guys that uh, that left the program that left us very thin at at offensive line. And it just remains to be seen who, you know, how these guys from BC can step in immediately. You, you would imagine they can, because it's, it's the same, basically the same scheme that they, they have been in. So there's not a learning curve. Let's just see how it translates coming into the mountain West. Um, then you got uh, defensive line, you know, what's good. What do we got there? I mean, you got, I guess, Brandon Hickerson Rooks has been named a, a starter. Uh, he's a Juco transfer. You got the guy, the transfer from Miami. Uh, the hurricane Scott Patchen at the other defensive end. Uh, and then you've got Manny Jones in the middle, right? So that's going to be an interesting position where you got two, two, really two new guys there on the defensive line. 
running backs. We just have not had a dynamic running back in several years now. Um, we, we had some guys that we liked who just yeah. couldn't get it together. One was booted from the team. One just couldn't really put together, string together his career. Uh, then, so now we've got Marcus McElroy, Christian Hunter listed as the one and two on the depth chart. But I think, and you and I talked to coach white, what a few months ago. And he, he mentioned a couple of times, Kiwan Herndon. Uh, I think that that freshman's going to be in the mix to get to uh, have a shot at kind of being the guy. So, you know, there's, 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 there's some, some interesting areas of this team, actually the entire team, every unit of this team is, is intriguing to me to just see what happens under this new staff. I mean, you've got, uh, we lose Warren Jackson in the receiving core, but you've got Dante Wright, Trey McBride. Those are your stars, right? Uh, to, as, as pass catchers, you've got um, Nate Craig Myers, the trace from, from Auburn, who's now in the program for what is this his third year? He's been in the program. Yep. He's been out one year and now, uh, and now this is his third year. He's got to get, he's got to be the guy that kind of the, the, you know, prototypical wide out. He's got some yep. size that can that stretch the field. He's got to be a guy, you know, and, and there are rumors. And I only say this for you betters out there um, that, that Dante Wright may not be able to go on Thursday night. So if that's the case, man, we need who, who steps up in the receiving core, Mike, uh, to, to fill that role. Well, I, you know, I, I'm kind of impressed with, with the talent again. Uh, I got it. I got to tip the cap to, to coach Bobo. Uh, I, th- I think Jaden Walker could step in. You no, know, he, he's backing up Nate, uh, Craig Myers, mm-hmm. but I, I, I like our depth at receiver, you know, and, and when one of our receivers goes down, we have Trey McBride who, is just yep. as dangerous as, as anybody outside. Um, obviously, he doesn't have the speed, but I mean, he knows the game. He has great vision, has great hands, and, and he can move for his size. Honestly, I think losing Cam Butler is going to be kind of big, especially when we go with a, with a two tight end set. Just not having I mean, he's a great receiver, has great hands, big kid. And, I, you know, I was really looking forward to seeing what he could do this season, uh, especially with, with Trey coming back and knowing how, how Adazio likes to use his, his tight ends. I, I was yeah. looking for some big things from both of them, but I still think we have depth there. Yeah, you got the guy from Miami, the other, the other transfer from Miami, Brian yep. Polanday. So, I mean, thank, thank goodness they brought him in, right? So, yeah. That gives you a little bit of depth, but I agree. Cam Butler, I was looking forward to him being healthy this year, and he he's a he's an athlete. So that that was a definite bummer to hear about that last week. Yeah, you know, one thing that I'm impressed with our depth at the defensive line. I think bringing in the the, the two transfers are going to help a ton. But you look at you look at Elson Hubbard, you know, a, a kid that's been on the field almost since he since he got here. You know, he's he's second string <laughs> you know he he's he's coming off the bench at, at D tackle and when was the last time that we had three solid D tackles let alone two or, or even one in, in some of those years so to, to see them and, and Devin Phillips as well I mean he, he's, he's a kid that's Tell got me. a lot of time you know we we have depth for the first time in a long time on the D line position so I like that. We're young. I mean, we got three starting 
juniors that have a linebacker positions. We got three freshmen backing them up. That's that's a ton of talent right there. That means that that you know Adazio brought in two of those freshmen. Mike, let me ask you this: What have you ever like? Do you see Taiwan Francis listed as a starter at uh, weak side linebacker? He's six foot, two hundred pounds. He was a backup defensive back last year. I mean, when was the last time we had a, a, a linebacker at that size? I guess was Adam Michael, Wade. Was that Adam Michael Wade? Sison. Michael no. S- Michael Sisson was was big was was bigger than that, wasn't he? No, he wasn't. He was five eleven. And that was pushing it. You know, that's the same size as, as yeah, Sisson uh, was. You know, I like it. You know, you sometimes you get those smaller, you know, linebackers with the speed. Adam, I mean, again, we had Adam Wade. We had Michael. You know, I kind of like that, especially whenever you have – when you have a strong front four, mm-hmm. uh, which, I, you know, I really see CSU having this year, having that – having kind of that quick outside linebacker who can – kind of dart around and just get to the ball. And again, I mean, we saw that, we saw that from Michael, you know, he's one of my favorite players that we've, that we've had. And, and again, he was, he was an undersized kid. And I remember reading the board 15 years ago, whenever he was playing, like, why is it, this guy needs to be moved to safety? You know, we're playing him out of position and, and he's seriously one of the best linebackers that CSU ever had. So I, I, I like it. I think I'm looking forward to, to seeing what he can bring to the field and, and a kid that size kind of see him as a ball hawk. Well, let's not forget uh, perhaps our greatest weapon in punter Ryan Stonehouse. I mean, <laughs> Dude, guy, he's, a, he's a fun Twitter follow. <laughs> Dude, yeah, he, he, he is, is not afraid to talk smack when he feels slighted about not being one of the greatest punters of all time. Uh, he, he is, is quick to, to mention how good he is. So I like that. And, you know, unfortunately, we saw, we've seen him punt too much the last few years. It'd be great <laughs> not to see him at all on the field. But, he, I mean, he does. He changes the, the field position by himself um, yeah. when, he does, when he doesn't outkick the coverage. But, yeah, I mean, he's, he's always going to be a weapon. You know, kind of wonder about what our, our kickers are, kicking situation is going to look like. Um, it wasn't the greatest last year. Again, you know, you look at that Arkansas game, I think if, if we make that field goal, that puts us up in the fourth quarter, completely changes that. We miss, and, and I think they scored on that next play when everybody hit their tight end and he stayed up and yeah. scored the, like, 60-yard touchdown. If, if we get more consistency out of that, I think that's going to be another way to, to win a few games. You know, Camper, he played last year. So we'll see, you know, how much he improved. You know, that was one thing I, I, I didn't like about – one of the many things I didn't like about Coach Bobo is I don't, well, kicking I don't think he paid enough attention to, to the kicking game. Well, well, you remember, what, two, three years ago when he when we were just like, this special teams is awful. Every, every week there's every a game. complete disaster. And he's like, well, we're going to address that in the offseason. <laughs> what do you mean? We got six right. games left this year. Like, yeah. What? So, so that was maddening. And, you know, the fact that I, I would imagine of all positions, place kicking is a position where you need to have confidence and uh, uh, trust from your coaches, because if you're always looking over your shoulder, one little duck hook, you know, you're done for the year. You know, the, the Bobo had a tendency to go through those kickers last year. Like, all right, let's try this guy. Let's try this guy. Let's try this yeah. guy. 
you know, now Max uh, Paduska has gone. Uh, so, you know, we'll see if, if Caden Camper can just be the guy or if the true freshman can come in and, and you know, get a shot to kick a little bit. Robert List, I don't know, but you got to you got to get a guy, hopefully make a couple kicks early and just him be your guy going forward. Yeah. You don't want again, that. I think that's a game like last week would have been so freaking would have been so good for that reason right there. Yeah. Get him some, get him some kicks, hopefully a lot of uh, extra points, but uh, we'll see. Let me tell you about Mighty River Brewing Company. They've got more than a dozen fresh beers on tap, including some great fall beers for your drinking pleasure, including Autumn River Pumpkin Ale. I mean, this is a pumpkin slash yam beer. How awesome is that? Which, by the way, along with their Cutbow Kolsch, are only $5 uh, from Friday through Sunday this week. Uh, but they also got their Riverfest Marzen German Lager, and they've got their Hewlett Gulch Hefeweizen, all great fall beers on tap for you. And then uh, in November, just a, what are we, just a week, not even a week away, a few days away from November, they're going to have uh, their new collaboration brew with Matador Mexican Grill. They've got a chili beer. It's a strawberry jalapeno golden ale, and it's the first time they've ever done something like that. So that's awesome. Dan and Christine Miller, they've been celebrating Mighty River's second anniversary this month. So come on in and celebrate. The weather is warming up here in the next few days. Perfect timing, just in time for the food trucks to show up Thursday through the weekend. So come on in. As always, show ramnation.com on your phone. Get a dollar off your beer. Introduce yourself to Dan Miller and tell him thank you for all that he does for ramnation.com. That's Mighty River Brewing Company. It's really tough to say, hey, what do you expect tomorrow? Because quite frankly, I don't even know like if we've been given the true rundown on who's available, who's not. Injury-wise, COVID-wise, you know, I think there's going to be guys that we expect to be playing on the field that aren't even on the field tomorrow. I, I just think that, yeah. you know, they, and I wish, especially in this day and age, now that sports gambling is legal across the board and, uh, you know, everyone's a member of DraftKings or whatever, there's got to be some regulation of, okay, coaches, you need to give us the... <laughs> The injury report and the COVID report so that, you know, people can make informed decisions here. But uh, so I, I think tomorrow we're going to we're going to see a starting lineup that's probably going to have a few surprises. But to me, what I want to see, Mike, more than anything is is a team that's tough because we've been we've been freaking soft for too many years. I want to see a yep. line. I want to see a line that that that. When it's late in the game, whether we have a lead or, or if we need a first down, that our, our coaches, Joey Lynch, Coach Adazio, they, they're like, all right, we're bringing in our big guys up front. We're pounding this for a two-yard run in crunch time, right? Yeah. In, in the past, we're running some gimmicky bull crap because, you know, we don't have confidence in our line or our, our backfield. I want to see that change. I want to see toughness. I also want to see us, and maybe tomorrow is not going to be the, the, the true litmus test for this, but I want to see us clean stuff up. I'm sick of penalties in key situations. I'm sick of turnovers. I mean, we were the king of turnovers for years and the yep. king of the stupid penalties in crunch time. I want to see us being able to come out of a timeout or out of a quarter or out of the half and not getting a delay a game or a false start or 
coming out of, of a quarter and having to call a timeout because we don't have the right personnel on the field. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's – I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, how we respond to, to tough times. Are we going to cave? Are we going to dig in? Uh, again, it goes back to that mental toughness and the, and the physical toughness. Are we able to pick up the third and one, the third and two? Are we able to go – on fourth and six inches, are we gonna are we gonna just pound it down their throat and pick yeah. that up? Are and we get, gonna and defensively get off the field on third down? I mean, exactly total sieve for years. Let's see yep. what Chuck Heater can do as far as bringing some toughness and maybe bringing some heat when you might not expect it. Just yep. shake things up. I, I'd I'd love to see a Larry Kerr style where it's just relentless, bringing guys on third and six. Instead of yeah. sit, sitting back and saying, "All right, let's let's cover these guys and give the freaking quarterback all day to throw," Let, you know, so I don't know. I, I it's uh, it's really tough for me to say. Here's my prediction, because for one, my heart is gonna say, "Well, we're gonna be vastly improved this year," but I think that there's, I think we're gonna be, I think quarterback's gonna be a position to watch. Obviously, we've got a quarterback who who's never been a starter. We've got a running back core that has really not been dominant. We've got three new guys uh, on our offensive line. We're going to be potentially missing Dante Wright, and we don't have Warren Jackson. So where's our offense going to come from? Defensively, I would really like to see us set the tone. But for me to come out and say, God, I think we're going to get off on a great great start here and get off on the right foot, I, I can't say it. I just don't know. I mean, Fresno doesn't impress me, but I just, there's so many unknowns. I cannot say that I feel really good that we're going to come out and look good tomorrow night. I think we'll come out. I think we'll win. Will it be a blowout? I'm not sure. Again, there's too many unknowns. Again, I'm just looking forward to seeing some cleaner play. And I think if we have that kind that, clean play that we can, you know, put it to them. If we're not giving up, if we're, if, if we're getting off the field on, on third down, if, if we're able to extend drives by picking up the third and short, then yeah, I see us, you know, I'm kind of surprised the line is, is one and a half. Definitely take the Rams on that. I see us, I see us winning by seven to 10 points tomorrow, whether that's 17 to seven or whether that's 31, 21, I see us. I see us coming out and, and winning this game. I, I, I'd like. Think we'll be out tough. You know, just stronger than them. And, and you don't have. Yeah, you're going on the road, but it's not a hostile environment. Usually, going on the road there is not an easy thing. I mean, I heard it's one of the worst places to play in the Mountain West. Yeah, like their fans are horrible. They'll say everything that you can imagine to the players and to the fans who, who travel there. Yeah, that's what Nevada's like for sure. Yep. I've seen that firsthand. I've actually never been to a Fresno road game. But, yes, historically, traveling to Fresno is tough. Uh, we're doing it back-to-back years. <laughs> we're, we're asking a tall tall order here to win their back-to-back years, but there's no fans to contend with. Can we bring our own energy? You know, we've heard coaches talk about this. Like, you rely on your fan base to give you, bring you energy when you take the field. And when it's not there, first sign of adversity, there's no fans to kind of lift you up. So, hopefully, we can go get it, uh, kind of smack them in the mouth, 
right off the bat, get a lead and just kind of build on it. But, you know, I think that I think there's times tomorrow we're going to be appalled <laughs> by some, yeah. some sloppiness and some mistakes. And I'm going to try not to break my TV. <laughs> uh, but um, I really just, I really want to believe in the staff. I really want to believe in everything that coach Adazio has said. I really like him uh, as a, uh, the type of leader he is so far. I love the way he communicates. I think he's a, I think he's a good leader. I think his players will follow him. I do think we're going to be missing some key pieces tomorrow on the field, but I, I, I mean, everything that we know about him, he's an offensive line coach. He demands toughness. I think he demands attention to detail. If we see those things, I think we can squeak one out. And that's what I'm hoping for. I don't care if it's a freaking three to two game or, you know, 42 to 41 game. I, we, I, I want to win. And, uh, I want to feel, start feeling good about this program. And, you know, I mean, we all, we, we've all gone through this crap with, uh, with COVID for the last eight months and we want something good to feel about. And I think, you know, this would be, this would be wonderful if we could go through the next month and feel like, okay, the Rams are contenders. I, I would love that. And I don't want that crapped on in the first week. So that's yeah, my- for sure. For sure. You know, I think it's, you know, I think we get the win. I think we get off on the right foot, and and, and then that that gives us a week to uh, prepare for Wyoming. So I'm excited about tomorrow night. I think we take it. I think we take it. Uh, last thing. So I saw that uh, Coach Adazio's mandating coats, open collar on travel days, and then when they're on their way to the stadium, tie. So, you know, blue collar, get down to business kind of, this is a business trip thing. Yes, it's a, it is a kind of a cliche kind of thing, but we, we've all noticed the, the sloppiness over the last several years and guys in hoodies and sweatpants and um, that's not how they traveled, but I, I just want this team to get back to business, right? And so I like that. That's kind of, it was the Sonny style, right? Sonny was like- But yeah, you go back, you know, Sonny did that. Yep. You know, those players had to, had to you know, and, and when we did the huge podcast with the 94, 1994 guys, they talked about how Earl Bruce did that. And then Sonny came in and he did that. And Steve came in and was, was kind of indifferent about it. Show up. I mean, that was his thing. He wanted to focus on the playbook. And we saw, we start seeing the sloppiness. McElwain came in, changed that. You know, when they started doing the Ram walk at Hughes, Every one of those kids was, you know, in a suit or a jacket and tie. Uh, Bobo came in. You watch him when they do the Ram walk. Everyone had their, you know, and I, I'm a sloppy dresser. I, I sag my sweats and my shorts. Uh, You're not representing. I'm not getting ready to play a game. They, right. they were. And they came in and they were sloppy. They had their earrings in. Uh, they had their jewelry on. And, and that was what they worried about. And, and everything started turning sloppy. So I love hearing that. I'm glad that Adazio is bringing that back. I think, I think there is something to say about, you know, the way you look is the way you play. Look good, feel good, play good. Yep. Right. And hopefully there's no turnover belt. <laughs> oh, God. I'm glad you brought that up, bud. To me, of all the things in this generation of sports, that is the look at me epitome, Right. Who cares that you, I mean, go celebrate with your teammates, 
and, and yep. get on the sideline and cheer on the offense that you just gave the ball to. It's more, start cheering for winning the football game rather than, Hey, I got caused a turnover. Look at me in my chain or my belt or my robe or uh, my King's chair. You know, I've seen the stupidest, stupidest stuff. And we're, I, I, I would imagine Adazi was a guy that's like, no, 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 no. We're not doing this crap. Yes. This is our goal. You get off the field, you create a turnover, but that's your job. That's the equivalent of uh, act like you've been there before. Right. And, CSU is not the only program that has done this, right? But it just drove me crazy because we even more crazy because we were three and nine, four and eight every year, and we're doing this crap. It just you look at the teams that don't do it. Who are they? You know, LSU wasn't. They weren't doing that. Bama doesn't do that. Clemson doesn't do that. You know, you look at the better teams, and they, and they don't feel the need to that to do no. that. So act like exactly. Act like you've been there before. All right, Michael. Well, we're just hours away from opening kickoff. Are you going to Sportsbook tomorrow night? Uh, not sure yet. Uh, I mean, gosh, the state just came out. I know Arapahoe County where the problem the Sportsbook is. just came out. You know, they just said, uh, you know, safer at home. But I do, I do know that, that Sportsbook, our, our longtime partner for watch parties, will be having the sound on in the back back area to be able to watch that got three dollar shiner box sportsbook is great the problem is i think it's mandated by the state last call is 10 o'clock that'll be about third quarter <laughs> so right so what i know do? that's and that's just another reason a later game a week uh, you know a school night for me we, right. i don't know i might be there for the first half we'll see let's we'll set see. up let's set up your projector in the garage and we'll just exactly it's already set up and we just mounted a 50 inch in there. So. All right. And we'll get your giant bottle of scotch from Costco. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Well, this is good. I, I'm really excited. There's football. I'm excited to see what uh, this new staff brings to the table. I'm excited to see some of these new players and, and I, I really hope for all of us who desperately need it, that we see a good performance. Exactly. Exactly. Me too. I'm excited. Uh, excited to see why coach Lynch, uh, brings in an offensive coordinator. To see uh, offensive coordinator calling plays for the first time in six years. Yeah, and let your head coach kind of oversee everything and and uh, get get the pulse of the team and address issues as they're going on during a game rather than having your head in a playbook. I I agree. Exactly. Okay, buddy. Good stuff. Uh, let's uh, look forward to recapping this. Hopefully, we're recapping a a win next week. Uh, it'll be a short week because we uh, we've got Wyoming on a Thursday night. Yep. So we will talk to you all before then. Let's go Rams. Go Rams. Peace.